Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Breaking the Game podcast. Got the full crew together today. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and y'all know Austin Carr, my co-host. Austin, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, Stephen? I'm happy to be back. You know, I appreciate your your wife filling in for me. She did a great job. Uh, you know, I hate missing the show, but she did a good job. I listened to you guys. I was listening live, so you guys did an awesome job. Wow, how's it going today? I appreciate that. Oh man, today is, is just like every other day. Blessed to be here. Um, right. She did a great job. Look, and I didn't share this with you because I wanted to see your live reaction. Mm-hmm. So after the show, I went to I gave it like two days to go check and see how the show did as far as mm-hmm. like downloads on the podcast. And that episode, it was one probably the shortest episode. It was like thirty three minutes, right? And then um, it was downloaded like the second most times nice since we've started together i was like dang i gotta have her face on here more often have her on more (laughs) right yeah i think god's podcast always does better when his wife's on there so there you go i mean it it is what it is i acknowledge that she is the better half so there you go there you go (laughs) nice everything going on with you show though for sure yeah absolutely we and today is going to be kind of a just a a fun conversation, man. We're going to just talk about some rumors. Um, there was a little bit of news that uh, we can touch on. The, it looks like the NBA players and the the league did come to an agreement on that December 22nd start date. So here in a couple weeks, we'll have the draft shortly followed by free agency, shortly followed by training camps, and then shortly followed by the start of the next season. Austin, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think it's awesome that it happened i'm excited for sure i'm sure you are too um it just makes a lot of sense for both sides i mean okay there's maybe four teams that have a legitimate gripe that it's it's a little bit of a quick turnaround Mm -hmm. but think about the eight teams that were in the bubble if they went till martin luther king day it would have been almost it would have been over a year since they played a game it's already going to be almost a year when they start christmas you know around christmas so um you know if what they said the league said was true about a 500 to a billion dollar loss in revenue, I mean, they had to get a deal done. So I think it's great. Which is a pretty big window. Like you can't narrow it down $500 million. But I mean, I get right. it. You probably want to present like, hey, like this is going to be like substantially bad if we don't start right. this season. Here's right? a realistic <laughs> number and here's a number to scare you guys into getting this done. Right. Yeah. I would, I would hope that it's, I mean, I'm not going to say $500 million isn't a lot of money, but. You know, compared to a billion, like that's, right. that's only half difference. as bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Well, cool. Um, Yeah. And w- we could talk about that more as more details come out because all we have right now are approximate dates. I'm sure that really what they went after was the start date and basically everything else like the play in and the all star weekend and stuff will right. kind of be figured out as we go along. But um, today is just going to be a fun episode where we talk about trade rumors, which I think is pretty strong in both of our wheelhouses we both tend to like to look at you know who's who could end up where and how this benefits and you know hurts you know the teams involved what could be their expected value are we over are we overvaluing certain players things like that but austin who are we going to be talking about first man um who did we have up first you're the one running this thing. It's on dude. the bottom of the screen. I got. I just put you on the spot. I like to keep you on. Drew Holiday. There Sorry, we go. I was actually looking at something else. <laughs> We're going to talk about good. Drew Holiday first. Good thing I looked because I was going to say James Harden. Hmm. 
No, so we can bounce around however you want. Drew Holiday has been uh, reportedly going to be shopped by the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, and um, you know they obviously are have a pretty young core. He's he's been in the NBA for quite a while. I think he's about thirty years old. So that you know, I'm assuming they want to get somebody that whose timeline kind of matches up with their their young guys a little bit more. Um, pretty interesting to me to see where you know a lot of people think he might end up. Um, the three that I like the most that I kind of want to get your thoughts on Steven mm-hmm. are one drew holiday to the Brooklyn nets for mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert and Jared Allen uh, two would be to the Denver nuggets for Will Barton, Gary Harris and draft picks. And three would be a f- one for one swap with CJ McCollum for Port- in Portland. Ooh. Do you so, like any of those? Do you think any of those are realistic? I think that they're all realistic for mm-hmm. one. Um, do I like any of them? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you do with a guy like Lonzo Ball if you bring in a Spencer Dinwiddie. I do like the Karis Levert. It just seems like the seems like the Spencer Dinwiddie and the Jared Allen are a bit redundant when you consider that they already have Lonzo Ball and Jackson Hayes. True. Maybe you let Lonzo Ball go after this season mm-hmm. and maybe try to do a sign and trade to get another asset after this year. I don't know, but um, you just got Jackson Hayes. I'm probably more high on uh, Jared Allen, to be honest with you, but you know, then you get a, then you get to, then you have the problem of trying to find a home for Jackson Hayes, which you probably will, will just get like a, like a second rounder to be honest with you, because yeah. I mean, he's not really a proven commodity. So not super in love with that deal. <laughs> Um, to the Denver Nuggets, I would probably modify or augment that trade as well, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're in the business of getting, you know, two, like Will Barton is another one of those guys that's kind of older. So if you're going to get an older guy, you might as well hang on to Drew Holiday, right? Right. Um, and then, you know, Gary Harris, he's kind of, you know, if we're getting Gary Harris from like two seasons ago, okay. Yeah. But like last season probably doesn't move the needle much for me. And their draft picks don't really move the needle much for me either. Like, are you really interested in getting the 22nd, you know, pick in the draft this season? Right. Probably not. Uh, I would be interested in throwing a deal together like, uh, say, uh, a Will Barton or even Gary Harris, right? Just get the the lesser of the two Mm -hmm. um, with a guy like Michael Porter Jr. in the 22nd. Maybe try to trade you Josh Hart for Bowl Bowl and just go for an extremely just awkward unorthodox lineup if you will with uh, the new orleans, new orleans pelicans um denver would probably be my most preferred place and again like if you're gonna trade for cj mccollum you're kind of getting more of the same you know mm-hmm. what i mean like he's probably a little bit more offensive ex- offensively explosive but right. he, roughly same age roughly um same expected outcome between the two of them uh, so Denver, if I'm if I'm Danny Ferry in in uh, New Orleans, I'm probably looking for that move there to to Denver. Yeah, you know, um, I'm kind of with you on that for sure. If if we had to pick from these three, I think that makes the most sense. Um, uh, the Portland deal, I get what you're saying about you know CJ McCollum, you know being kind of the same about the same age as drew holiday or, you know, not really getting any younger in that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels to me more like a deal Portland might want to do than new Orleans. Um, yeah, for sure. I could see, you that. know, Portland's defense is just not where it needs to be. And those two both are 
not really plus defenders. And Drew Holiday most certainly is. You know, he's mm-hmm. one of the better perimeter defenders, I would say, in the league. And so that would I think that would help Portland a lot more than it would New Orleans. And New Orleans isn't just going to trade the guy just to trade him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the best thing that Portland can do to kind of help augment that trade is give you the 16th pick in this draft. And again, is that really what you're looking right. to do to to move? Are you looking to get like a lottery pick for Drew Holiday? Like what 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 do you think the market value for Drew Holiday is, though, Austin? Like realistically, like what would you be comfortable giving up as far as picks and assets go? Um, in this draft, I think he's probably worth a fairly high pick. Maybe not top ten, but in the lot in the back half of the lottery for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, along with you know at least one, um, you know, pretty proven player it doesn't have to be a star. Maybe but, like a Gary Trent Jr. If you're kind yeah. of fixated on this uh, Portland deal, I, I like that. Yeah, if if they had a little bit higher pick, maybe say you know twelve, thirteen, mm-hmm. somewhere like that, and maybe throw in a second on top of it. I don't know. Yeah, or or a, a pick in a later draft. Um, I think somewhere around there is probably probably realistic. Um, I'm I'm with you on everything. I kind of like the Brooklyn trade. Um, I, I like think, it for Brooklyn. I think I like it for both teams. Mm. Um, I I just think they get a lot. It gives New Orleans a lot of depth. You know, it, they are two. You know, Allen and, and Hayes are probably pretty similar, but I think Allen's the better player. Oh, hands uh, down, I agree. You know, for sure. And and Dinwiddie and Karis Levert are both you know really good when they've had chances. When they've had the chance to you know be out there and and be kind of the focal point of the offense or or one or the other at least. Mm-hmm. Karis Levert was out there in the bubble by himself. I think he averaged over twenty points a game. Yeah, he and, was he was he was hooping. And Dinwiddie did that all year. You know, even when Kyrie was out there, uh, I think both of those guys are you know would be big pickups for New Orleans. I I actually kind of like that trade a lot. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I think most realistic would be a, a Denver Nuggets trade for him. Um, I'd love to see him go to the Lakers somehow. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> no, I don't know I mean, how. The Lakers are supposed to get everybody, right? Like, yeah, them, them and the Knicks. Works. You know, it's just like it's just like the Yankees in baseball. Like, you see a it's guy right. do good, and you say you'll expect to see him in a Lakers uniform in a couple of years. Yeah, right. No, but um, I don't know if if that trade package from from Denver's enough either. I kind of. I kind of think they'd have to give up Michael Porter Jr. if they wanted yeah. to get that anything done. Yeah, um, and again, like that kind of makes Denver's, you know, I kind of like the funky feel that that would give. Like a lot of people are like, you know, how does he work with Brandon Ingram and, you know, mm-hmm. Zion Williams? I th- I kind of like a funky lineup where you have, you know, Porter and Ingram as your forwards, and then you have Zion playing small ball five small ball with, with Lonzo out mm-hmm. there. And, you know, if you can if you can draft, you know, which they do have some draft picks, right? Draft a shooting guard, someone who can stand out and hit, or, you know, they still have JJ Reddick. I mean, so you have a lineup where you got ball Reddick, Ingram, Michael Porter Jr. And Lonzo, like, I don't know how good your defense is going to be, but it's going to be a fun team to watch. Michael Porter Jr. will become a pretty good defender. He'll, he'll never be a great defender, but he's too big and athletic to not end up, you know, eventually he's going to put in a little work on that side of the ball and he's going to get better. It's it's not lack of ability. It's lack of kind of want to, I think, and know-how right now for him mm-hmm. more than anything. And that's something that comes with, you know, young guys that are, you know, highly touted in the draft a lot of times. That's that's one of their weaknesses more often than not is the defensive side of the ball when they're – at least when they're scorers like that in high school and college. Yeah. And then, like I said, I, I like to do more for Brooklyn in that scenario. And maybe like, how do you think Lonzo handles 
probably coming off the bench behind Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, do you have Lonzo Ball on your team to be your your sixth man? Uh, I don't know. I'd almost put uh, Dinwiddie with him. Dinwiddie's played quite a bit off the ball, you know, when he was out. He did play a good amount of time with Kyrie, mm-hmm. and I think he's more capable of, of doing that than than maybe a lot of people would give him credit for, but he, he kind of showed that he could this year. Yeah. Um, so but I think then that slides LeVert to your three? Or he could come off the bench. I, I think Karis LeVert would be probably one of the better six men in the NBA. I think he's oh yeah he's kind of suited for that role a little bit because I think he does well when he's the focal point of the offense and he could come in in that second unit as the six man and and pretty much run the offense, you know. So I think is for, New Orleans good enough though to convince him to say, "Hey, look, if you come off the bench on this team, we're going to be highly successful." Like I think that if you convince a guy who just balled out, who's probably like his agent and him are probably talking about like, look, you're probably going to go to a team that needs you. And so if you go to a team like New Orleans, like the granted, they did just get Stan Van Gundy. You're not going to be featured prominently on that team after the season that Brandon Ingram just had and Lonzo Ball. You know what I mean? So like you're going to be basically the third man again at best here, as opposed to third man in Brooklyn, where you're more likely to make a finals appearance you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, you could also try to sell them on the idea that, like, you know, look how good we're going to be next year and the year after, and like we're just going to get better. You know, what if the you know the circus that's kind of already surrounding Brooklyn? What if it doesn't work out and things go bad there? You know, you might be able to sell them on something like that. Um, you know, I think Dinwiddie would go just for the ch- you know the chance to kind of be out from under Kyrie's shadow, maybe a little bit. I don't know if, if that's even really though he kind of recruited him there. Yeah. Even though he was you know, a big part of the recruiting process, supposedly yeah. he was a big part yeah. of it. I think it was probably more like, I feel like that was more probably just his presence there. You know, they mm-hmm. knew that they had the better team to put around. Yeah. You know, those guys. Um, I don't know though. You know, that's all just speculation more than anything. I don't really have any, you know, solid <laughs> reason to think that they would pull the trigger on that trade. I just like the sound of it. No, you I know? mean, and, um, I think that makes I think it makes New Orleans better immediately, but I think it kind of puts a ceiling on how good they could be long term. And I think that's what you're building on when you got a Zion and a Brandon Ingram, right? Like you you want to be successful and the team would be successful enough to maybe make the playoffs still. Like that's the other thing. Like how much better does that make this team? I think they would be a playoff team for sure if they made that trade. Personally, okay. I really do. Um, I think they're going to push for the playoffs already this year with the team they have. Um, you know, I don't. How much better would they be than than they are with Drew Holiday offensively? I think it's a significant upgrade. Um, I don't know. Defensively, it's probably a little bit of a downgrade. But Lonzo Ball's a pretty solid up perimeter defender already. You know, Zion looks like he's you know going to be pretty good on defense. You know, he's, he's athletic probably, enough to where he could be. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Brandon Ingram is is a solid defender for, you know, he needs to get stronger, but he does. He has. Uh, I think he's kind of what he's going to be at this point. Like, I don't know, imagine him getting huge. He's not going to get uh, gigantic or any really much bigger that you'll notice. But I think things like core strength where, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to get knocked off his path so easy as he does now or he has in the in the past. And, you know, that's nothing to do with, you know, his talent or his work ethic. He just needs needs to get stronger in certain areas uh, you know core strength being the one i think is the most important um and i think he'll continue to develop that and i think they have a solid defensive core already and I, i'd like to see that offensive upgrade for them mm-hmm. i think it, it 
definitely moves them into to the, the bottom part of the playoff picture for the West Western Conference for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like I don't think that there's going to be a package big enough to command like a uh, substantial return on investment for Drew Holiday. But then again, I don't like. Do we overvalue Drew Holiday, or is it just this free agency class that's kind of lackluster of a star? We're looking for somebody to kind of be the 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 best guy available that could help you know make your make a contender better. Like, do you think it's lack of it's kind of like the the real estate industry, right? Like, you know, the the price of your house depends on how many places around you are available. It depends on, you know, who who needs a home, you know, right. things like that. Or are we kind of looking at the same thing here with Drew Holiday, in your opinion there, Austin? Because I think, uh, like, look, I, I use Synergy a lot. I trust, I trust Synergy because it helps. I find that it's the best place that you can go that helps you, you know, basically lay out what you see with your eyes and just affirm those things. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look defensively, Drew holiday, we all look at him as a great defender and he is right. But as, Mm -hmm. but 45% of the time he's lined up against a pick and roll ball handler, according to synergy, he's listed at average, right? Which is, um, he's in the 37th percentile. He allows less than a point per possession. You know, if you look at spot up handoff post up, very good against those actually below average off of screens, and then in isolation and pick and roll ball handler against the big, he's actually very good. So he's switchable, mm-hmm. but with he's kind of like, you know, picked off the screens for a shooter for a skip pass. You know, he can be susceptible to those types of passes. And he's not the biggest guy either. He's only right. like six two, six three, maybe six four, depending on who's measuring him. Right. Right. So he's he tends to guard guys that are way bigger than him, almost in a Marcus Smart type vein, but. To be honest, he's not as effective, although he is pretty good. So do we overvalue him? Do you think that we're evaluating him adequately or maybe am um, I overlooking something? You know, I think the uh, the traditional counting stats definitely help him more than maybe some of the advanced metrics do. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not what, just thinking off the top of my head at least, he's not what you would consider like a volume scorer at least right. in my eyes, but he, you know, he takes about 17 shots a game, which, you know, for that team last year, that's, that's not that, that's not crazy. I think, I think that's pretty, you know, right on about par of where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think honestly the trade market for him is going to be better than it would most years just because uh, the, the free agent market is down. Mm-hmm. And uh, also that um, uh, the free agent market's down. And then also just, there's only like six teams that have, Cap space. cap space yeah so um those are the two reasons i think you know just kind of looking at his numbers you know um win shares he's at 3.9 which is pretty good he had a pretty high usage rates about 25 percent right um but nothing on this on this page and his advanced stats really jumps out 53 percent true shooting isn't great yeah you that's know, player efficiency of, rating yeah. of 17 is just about average right i think 18 if i'm not mistaken is considered league average for yeah. per right so and, you know, his, you know, even if you look at like on off numbers for him, like when he's on the court or when he's off the court for even, you know, this year for New Orleans, you know, they were, their offensive rating was one point better per hundred possessions with him on. Their defensive mm-hmm. rating was actually uh, four points worse mm. with him. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, four points better. I read that wrong. So it was his, his defensive, you know, um, numbers are pretty good but they're not yeah. nothing in the analytics that really jumps off the page like you said that just 
blows you away. But I mean, he he's shown in the playoffs before, and when Anthony Davis was hurt when he used to play with New Orleans, like how capable he can be as a scorer as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he at about 20, 20 or twenty one points per game this year, I think. Yeah. So you know, he's he's I think we're adequately definitely adequately valuing him in terms of what this year's trade market would bring for sure. Yeah. Because you mentioned one thing about the cap space situations. There's only like one team, right. That has the cap space to be able to sign anybody, right. Right. Being Miami. Uh, Outside of that, if you're a good team and you want to add a piece like holiday to be better, you have to match salary. That's why we look Mm -hmm. at teams like Denver, like Brooklyn, you know, uh, Portland is the first time that I've really even heard him mention uh, being linked to them. I'm hearing Dallas a lot. Dallas might be a team that's interested in him. I think Atlanta has a lot of cap space too, but yeah. And they're kind of, you know, it's either going to be hit or miss. They just actually brought in Nate McMillan to be the uh, Mm -hmm. assistant there underneath Floyd Pierce, which I think is kind of like putting Pierce on the hot seat, but yeah, you know, I would, that's I would of, agree. I'd like, I mean, I would definitely agree with that, that, that take for sure. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's been reported throughout the pretty much since the bubble ended that, uh, Atlanta was going to be wanting to pursue a free agent this year. You know, they mm-hmm. want to use that cap space cause they want, or at least some of it to be able to, to, they want to have a contending team this year so they can try to lure a big time free agent next year. And right. Uh, you know, if they can find somebody to bear with, um, you know, they have, Lots of good young players that they could move. Cam Reddish, you know, DeAndre Hunter, you know, a lot of at least guys that I think teams have value yeah. potential, you know, whether or not they become anything great in the NBA is yet to be seen. But, you know, I think there's a lot of those, a lot of guys on that roster that could pan out in the right situation. Yeah. And they're probably going to be chasing guys like Bogdanovich and Joe Harris and people like that, I think would all be great fits in Atlanta. Right. But so Drew, the reason I bring up the free agency and, you know, the, the relative market, right? Like mm-hmm. not a lot of teams that want to compete can add a guy like Drew Holiday, just straight up signing him, right? Unless he right. just took a ridiculously cheap deal, which don't expect him to do that. Um, so he has to be traded. And But if you look at the free agency, like the best guy you can compare him to is Fred Van Vliet. I would almost try to take my chance of signing Van Vliet, who has larger upside, I think, in a bigger role, uh, as opposed to Drew Holiday, because... I mean, one, people value championship experience. I don't know how much I, you know, that goes into my decision-making process. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Fred Van Vliet is just as tenacious of a defender in my eyes as Drew Holiday. Drew could probably guard a little bit bigger mm-hmm. players as opposed to Fred Van Vliet. But to me, Van Vliet, um, you know, better offensive, you know, as far as shooting in my eyes. Now, Drew probably had the better ball handling of the two. But we didn't really get to see Fred Van Vliet operate as a true point guard next to a Kyle Lowry. So who knows really like, but I think that drew um, out of the three that you mentioned earlier, Austin, just kind of wrap it back together. I would think that Denver um, one would value him highly enough compared to the others, right? Because they're not a free agency destination. You know, not a lot of people are looking Mm -hmm. to go to Denver. They're a team that has basically been built in the draft and trading. Right. So I think that they kind of continue that because they yeah. have draft picks that they can still add, really. I don't think they're too eager to to try to move Bol Bol and Michael Porter Jr., which are the two guys that they kind of feel that they hit on big time at the end of the, you know, later in the draft than they should have mm. because of injuries. You know, Michael Porter Jr. might have been the number one pick in the draft if he hadn't been hurt. And yeah. Bol Bol was projected top five before his injury. And they got him in the in the back of the second round, I think. Didn't they? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like almost almost at the end of the draft. 
Yeah. So yeah, I don't know that they're too excited to really move those guys. I, I think if they think they're good enough to win now with one more piece, then maybe you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. But I don't know that that's the right move. I don't know yeah. that that moves the needle enough to turn them into a uh, you know a big time championship contender or anything like that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, do do they value the immediate like floor raising, maybe even ceiling raising that Drew Holiday can give you this season or next, compared to hoping that two guys hit on their best case scenarios and Bobol and Michael Porter Jr., which we still don't know, right? Right. So, but yeah, I think that's a fair. I think those are all fair questions. To I mean, how how bad would it look in three years if Michael Porter Jr. is averaging twenty seven, twenty eight points a game and he's just turned out to be an absolute superstar, which he very well could be. You know, he could. I mean, he's he's shown flashes that he could do that. So yeah, that's uh, a risk. But I mean, if you don't make it to the unfortunately, we measure success in rings nowadays. Like people can't just True. appreciate a, a player being great you know anymore like cool like james harden one of the best scorers of all time that's cool like how many rings right. has he got Giannis Antetokounmpo never seen a player like him before that's cool how many rings got, you right know? we were i don't want to give too much away but the you know the the project we've been working on um i had a really hard time putting them as high as i did but i couldn't think of any reason why mm-hmm. you know like it, i was trying to think of every reason why he can't go where i where he went and it just it doesn't make sense you know, yeah. So, well, it's because, like I said, we we measure success solely on rings. Apparently, like mm-hmm. that's that's Team the accomplishments way. are the only way you could get individual, you know, success. Yeah, but don't say that to you know Tim Duncan fan, and that, I like Tim Duncan, but don't say that to Tim Duncan fans or right. you know Carl Malone or whoever uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, don't <laughs> don't mention that to those to their right. fans, right? All right, cool. Well, I think that that uh does an effective job of wrapping up the Pelicans looking to shop they've been again like they shopped them a little bit last year and Mm -hmm. didn't get a deal that they wanted so maybe they had the foresight to look at the upcoming draft and the upcoming free agency period and said nope we're probably better if we wait yeah so i don't know that the deal gets done at all yeah i mean it very well he could he'll still want to be there i mean he could be a van gundy guy Mm -hmm. you know a defensive wing and you know can space the floor and help handle the ball so who knows but next story, and I think this one affects your little home area of Indiana, a a bit, yeah. right? So um, Gordon Hayward reportedly wants out of being a Boston Celtic. Now, yeah. this has been something that's been rumored for a little bit, and new, you know, new smoke or you know, same smoke, different flame, whatever you want to say. Um, latest rumors are that Gordon Hayward is reportedly saying that he will opt out of over thirty million dollars for this season to go play somewhere else, which is crazy considering the uncertainty of the market, um, the uncertainty of his injury and, you know, how comfortable are teams going to be looking to maybe perform a sign and trade out of Boston or just sign him outright. Um, and again, you're based out of that Indiana area and he has been heavily linked to being a pacer potentially. What are your thoughts of Gordon Hayward wanting out of Boston? Um, my, my very first thing that I think of is, you know, if he does opt out of that contract, how bad is does he want to be out of there? I mean, like, what's that say about the the situation in Boston for him? At least, you know, it doesn't look good. You know, I mean, because I don't think he's going to get anywhere near thirty four million dollars a year, or even next year for one year, unless maybe maybe he knows something we don't. You know, yeah. uh, Al Horford did kind of did the same thing last year to Boston. 
you know, and if two, That's a good point. two big name guys do it two years in a row, um, you know, that doesn't sound too good. If I'm a potential free agent wanting to go to Boston, you know, why are these guys that had success before they got there? Maybe didn't really, you know, I think, uh, Hayward did pretty good this year. And I think Horford had a lot of good years in Boston, but you know, they were obviously, you know, going into it very successful as well. And for whatever reason, weren't happy enough to resign there or opt back into their contracts. Um, but then when I think about, you know, where he could possibly go, I think the Pacers obviously are the, the big, the big one that everybody says. Um, I like Gordon Hayward. I think in a bigger role, he could be, pretty successful you know he averaged 17 and a half points a game he is a good rebounder about seven a game um he gets four assists he doesn't really turn the ball over less than two a game uh, he shoots really well from the field he's almost a 40 percent three-point shooter um you know defense probably leaves a little bit to be desired i, I just think overall he's a, a a really really solid starter in the nba for most teams and he just maybe doesn't fit on that boston roster um I think is Miles Turner who they give up for him? Possibly. Um, I think it, it makes their roster fit the way the NBA kind of plays for both teams really a little bit more. You know, it's a little bit more of a, a modern roster because, I mean, Nate McMillan wasn't the most, you know, innovative guy on offense, but he never really found a way to make uh, Sabonis and Turner work together. And I, I don't know that it will. And uh, I think having Hayward there instead of, instead of Turner really kind of, you know, spreads the floor a lot more, gives you another wing uh, weapon on offense. And then I think it gives Boston the the big man that they want, you know, the, per- the exact big man that they want, you know, the yeah. perfect guy for that roster. I wholeheartedly agree. And you brought up, you know, Horford wanting out. Let's also take, put that in the context, right? Like it wasn't just like he went there and everything was hunky dory and, you know, Boston was fine. You know, he played with a guy by the name of Kyrie Irving, right? Right. And, uh, you know, maybe that soured his taste a little bit on playing there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that Boston was almost kind of banking on, you know, Horford staying there. And I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah. And him leaving to go to Philadelphia was probably the last thing that they were expecting. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much I, if I'm a free agent, right? Like, I don't think that that would affect, because look at what Kimball Walker did. You know, he went right. He went right into there. He was like, "No, nah, mm-hmm. this looks like a great spot, so I'm gonna go play there." So I don't know how much that weigh that would weigh into my decision making. I do think that his numbers he kind of benefits also from playing in Boston, right? Because he was the third option on you know most best nights, if you will, um, probably more the fourth option than anything else. So it he almost would have like he would have had to been a terrible player to to fail in that situation you know what i mean and he's a smart guy he's always been kind of an intuitive player very smart um he plays to his strengths doesn't really do anything outside of his strengths which you know brad stevens obviously liked enough when he recruited him to play with him in, in butler right so uh and the homecoming there was almost kind of a I don't know how much, or I say homecoming, but playing again with Stevens, I, I never really liked that as being like the major reason why he should have went to Boston. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, I think Indy makes a lot of sense though for both teams. One for Boston, if they trade for Miles Turner, they can't just make that trade straight up. You kind of have to kind of 
um, supplement the deal a little bit. So throwing in a guy like Jeremy Lamb, I think would be huge because Lamb didn't really get a lot of playing time, mostly due to injury. So I think kind of putting him in there, it shortens the guard rotation for Indy, which they were already very deep at, Mm -hmm. although that they did suffer, you know, a, a bit of injury issues there. And then it, adds obviously more forward and wing depth to Boston, which is something that they, that they need. So I think it's kind of a, you know, symbiotic relationship, if you will, between the two teams and that, in a move like that. And it takes one less mouth that doesn't have to be fed in the starting rotation. Right. Which I think makes Boston better where they don't have to focus on like, okay, we have four guys that can get us 20 on any given night. Let's try to make sure that they, we keep them all happy. If you take one right. of those away and you make your defense just as good, if not better. And Turner, who's a guy who can help you in the paint and on the outside, makes you still pretty versatile on the offensive end and defensively can block shots. So I think that that move makes a lot of sense. Now, if other teams, if we're considering who should make a move for a guy like Hayward, if Portland in any way at all could try to work out a deal with uh, maybe trying to sign and trade Whiteside to Boston, which hopefully Boston would never fall for something like that, but um, yeah. trying to sign and trade for for Hayward out of that. Um, know, Whiteside in the right in the right with the right team could be you know he could be good for that Boston team. You'd have to get more than him, but yeah, good starting you'd, point. You'd have to get picks and probably Trent Jr. for your troubles. But uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Whiteside does give you block shots and rebounds. Although that that's really about it. I don't know if you would need more than anything else other than you know outside shooting that Turner could give you, but. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't really see any other teams that could be major players for a guy like Gordon Hayward. Um, at that $34 million number, um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So to make it work, the to make the money even, uh, it would be, from what I'm looking at, I'm on a trade machine right now, mm-hmm. uh, Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner, Lamb, and then they they to make the salaries match, they'd have to throw in Doug McDermott too. That's something to do. If I'm Boston in a second, well, if you're Indiana, if you're Indiana, um, Boston would take that for sure. They'd have to. They'd be dumb. Yeah, you'd have to probably throw in like a guy like a Romeo Langford who played at Indiana, right? Somebody that I thought about putting in there too. That that he's the first guy that kind of came to mind for me. Uh, Boston does have three first round picks in this draft. Yeah, I mean, you may give up all of them to make that deal. I mean, or maybe not all of them, but maybe two, like the, the two, two lower, the two the low one, because yeah. they they have their own and they have Milwaukee's and then they have Memphis's, so they could keep the fourteenth pick and get rid of the other two. Yeah, but you're probably more than likely going to have to give up that fourteen and you know maybe the thirtieth, maybe yeah. the thirtieth. But I mean, if I'm if I'm Boston, I take that deal. If I'm Indiana. Here's the thing. I don't think that Hayward is. I think he's a good player, but I don't think that he makes Indiana all that much better. I think that they still give you the same level of success. You know what I mean? Right. I think that. I mean, you you take Turner out of it. You slide Sabonis to the to the five. Does Hayward become your de facto three because he just got done playing the four in Boston, which is where probably TJ Warren is going to play at the four, right? So, I mean, those guys seem like they'd probably be pretty interchangeable. I think they'd have a really, really, you know, interchangeable roster. Everybody seems like flexible position wise. They could kind of play that, this positionless basketball idea that's becoming kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, uh, Oladipo, Brogdon, 
uh, Hayward, Warren, and Sabonis. That's a pretty solid lineup. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, that's that's five guys on the floor at all times that can score. You know? So let me ask you this: Do they get any better than the fifth fifth seed in the Eastern Conference? This is where they always seem to be. You know, like I don't know if they automatically become a top four team with teams like. You know, um, Brooklyn coming into prominence now. Um, Milwaukee is always a uh, is up there. Toronto, Miami are are they? Does that make them better than any of those teams? Well, um, probably not on paper. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we did our way too early power rankings, I had Indiana finishing third. So yeah, um, I think this puts them even makes me even more confident in that pick. Uh, I just think they're a very solid team from, you know, one to nine on the roster. I think mm-hmm. they get made. I, hopefully will it's remain to be seen, but I believe they made a coaching upgrade. I think that just the type of system they're going to run is going to fit their roster a lot more. Yeah. Not absolutely. Necessarily that McMillan was a bad coach. I just don't think he had the, the system for the guys that he has. Correct. And, um, you know, adding Gordon Hayward for miles Turner, who the Pacers just haven't seemed to figure out how to use, you know, yeah. I, I like miles Turner. I like his game. I think he is, a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. Wholeheartedly um, agree. You know, he is in the top five in blocks every year. He's one of the best rim protectors. He can shoot. He just doesn't mm-hmm. fit next to Sabonis. And I think they're they're a lot more tied to Sabonis at this point than they, than they are him. So. Well, I mean, he did just make an all star appearance. I don't know how much yeah. you how much that weighs into your decision to keep a player. Like, if you can fire a coach of the year, uh, to me, you can trade a, a low, yeah, but this low is end. The Pacers and, and Herb Simon's the owner, and you know he made his money in in shopping malls, and shopping malls are kind of dying. They, <laughs> that's they don't they don't want to you know get rid of a guy that's just made the all star team. The the fans love him. You know they're worried about people getting people to come into the arena. You know, yeah. not probably as much as they are building a winner because building a winner brings people into the arena regardless. But, you know, it's up there on their list of, of you know, once they want to keep a guy like that around for sure. And and to be totally honest with you, you know, just being around it all the time and seeing it like Turner's not somebody that I don't that I think the fan base would be heartbroken to lose, mm-hmm. unfortunately, which I don't understand. But, you know, it's how they feel about it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. If you make that deal, do you try to maybe get drew holiday out of new Orleans for Victor Oladipo. Yeah. I'd like that too. Um, I think that'd be a pretty, uh, a tough move to make, but I think they could, and they'd have mm-hmm. all three of the holiday brothers. Yeah. You know? They could ba- basically make like a megazord. Yeah. Know? That'd be interesting. You know, the other two are pretty good. Justin holiday is pretty good. Drew's definitely so far, at least the best of the three. It, of it course. Remains, remains to be seen what Aaron holiday really becomes. He's young, but yeah. You know, Justin Holiday is a is a pretty one of the more underrated players I would say in the NBA. I, I'm yeah. a big fan. I like him a lot. He plays great defense. Um, he plays bigger you know, than he is. Right, he does. So you know that'd be interesting. Um, I think it's weird. Half the fan base seems to love Victor Oladipo still, and I'm I'm in that that half probably. I still do like him, um, but half the fan base kind of seems like they've soured on him. Like they they feel like he only played in the bubble because he was going to lose that money. And his, you know, there's just been a lot of talk that he wants to leave and all the fans felt really betrayed by Paul George already. I can tell mm-hmm. you that for sure. And I think if, <laughs> yes. if, if something like that were to happen again, I think that's what a lot of them are worried about. And I think it would be bad for, you know, the organization and the fan base as a whole. Yeah. Um, but if he wants a, a max contract, I just, I don't know if I can justify giving him that much money is he'd have to have a really good year. 
Yeah, I would look. I would, if I'm the owner or the governor, excuse me, of the Pacers, I would pull up Marcus Smart's contract and be like, "This is who you are right now in the NBA. You're Marcus Smart, and he makes like eighteen million dollars a year." Like right. We Marcus Smart seems a little bit more, you know, willing to play his role than mm-hmm. you are. Right. And I mean, because look, when he stepped away, you had guys like Sabonis make an All Star appearance. You know, Malcolm Brogdon when he was in was mm-hmm. great. T.J. Warren emerged in the bubble. So it's almost like the Pacers almost passed Oladipo by on their, on their roster right now. But we're not talking about Oladipo. We're not supposed to be on this segment. He was not a player that we mentioned transitioning to one of the more controversial, um, especially if you're a Milwaukee buck fan or a Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. Um, I labeled this segment. Giannis is feeling the heat, which, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. I think that that's a pretty appropriate, um, like title it. based off of what we're healing, hearing, right? Because I like it. He goes, he hangs out in Miami a lot. Um, no doubt about the fact that there's a, a, a married, um, you know, a shared agent mm-hmm. between him and Heat players. Uh, they have they're a team with cap space. They're a team that feels like a Giannis Antetokounmpo style of team. Um, there's a couple other teams that I would make that argument too, right? But uh, Giannis feeling the heat. What are your thoughts, Austin? Um, you know, obviously, if he wants to go there and, and he tries to force a trade, you know, Miami would be silly not to not to go after him. I just, I don't know. Um, does he make him better right away? Yes. Is it? Is it? Is he going to guarantee to sign an extension? If he, if he, you know, if he says right away, I'll sign an extension, then I think outside of Bam and Jimmy, you have to give up the farm to get him. If mm-hmm. you know, to so to speak, if you're Miami, um, yeah. You, rumor you has it that Tyler Hero has to be a part of this deal. Definitely, definitely. And you know, are they willing to give up the continuity that they built? They just took a team to the NBA Finals. They 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 took the Lakers to six games and played pretty good despite some serious injuries. Yeah. You know, if they go out and get Danilo Gallinari in free agency, I I think they're they could be the best team in the East again easily. And, you know, I think they could get the number one seed or, or second and make it back to the finals. And that'd be a, that'd be a, a tough team to, to contend with because, you know, they do have cap space right now. They they could, you know, if it's not Gallinari, they could throw a huge contract at a one year deal at somebody at, at, at like anybody a, you know? like a Joe Harris, who maybe would come in and fill that uh, Tyler Hero role as a three point shooter. Yeah, you know something like that, and so, you know, I think if you if you can make that move, you have to. But I I don't know if it's worth it to give up on all the young talent that they'd have to give up to to make that happen. If if Bam even gets mentioned in the trade talk, I'd just laugh them out of the building, <laughs> out of the room. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Like, imagine those two on the same team, though. Oof. Yeah. Is they, do they fit together? What do you think? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ease into that one. So I want to start by first um, putting in Tyler hero. Here's my issue with that. If you look at Duncan Robinson, he was an undrafted player, which means that they don't have enough years on him to be signed under bird rights, which means for those who don't know that this team cannot spend money on him and go over the cap limit to be able to bring (laughs) back, which is a, which is a significant issue for a lot of contending teams. Like usually you want players that are on bird rights so you can go, so you can exceed that salary cap 
and still have a competitive team. So if you're trading away Tyler Hero, who you would eventually have bird rights on because he was a first round draft pick in the lottery, you would be able to, you know, go over the salary cap for that. Duncan Robinson, however, who would leave the year after this, right? Most likely probably get a crazy deal somewhere. Um, you know, a la JJ Reddit, Kyle Corver. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be walking. So my problem with this is leading into the fit now that you just brought up, Austin. If you're trading away Tyler Hero and you're getting back Giannis Antetokounmpo and then you're losing Duncan Robinson later, but you bring in a guy like a Joe Harris. And, oh, and also Goran Dragic is probably gone this free agency. Oh, and Kendrick Nunn would probably be gone too. So here's the thing. You would have max salaries locked up between a center, a power forward center, and a small forward slash shooting guard that isn't really a great outside threat. Mm-hmm. Giannis is becoming um, more willing to shoot from the outside, but he's still only like a low 30% three-point shooter. Bam Adebayo is not a three-point shooter, although I think that he does have the requisite skill set to eventually become a spot-up three-point shooter. So my issue with this is that it has to, it would be a move that Miami would be just crazy to not take advantage of because if you get a good chance to pair up Jimmy Butler, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Bam Adebayo, you you take that, you trust the coaching of Eric Spolstra, um, the managing ability of a Pat Riley, and just you're like, we will figure this out, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, just the idea of pairing Giannis with a guy like Eric Spolstra is just amazing. It's just be almost almost that in and of itself is too good to pass up, you know? Mm-hmm. I just think he could unlock him to, you know, be even better than he is. Obviously, you know, they'd have their perimeter guy in Jimmy Butler that they could get, you know, give him the ball to get a basket at the end of the game. Somebody that they could, you know, Butler and Bam are two guys that they could, get, they could run the offense through, um, you know, but. Uh, but, okay, yeah. so in that situation, right, excuse me, I was, I'm sorry. In this situation, right, where it's end of the game, you're in the NBA Finals, the defense is locked in because it's the Finals and you're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is not going to pull up and hit it. I mean, maybe he does. I mean, it's Jimmy freaking Butler. Maybe he can. I think right? Jimmy but, Butler's about the only guy in the NBA right now that I would think of outside of LeBron James or maybe maybe Kawhi Leonard that would, you know, in the huddle, calling that last play, you don't think he's going to look at him and call his own number and say, I'm going to take this shot. I don't care who's on the, who's on the team with him. I think he, you know, you know, he calls himself Jimmy F and buckets for a reason. You know, yeah. I just think he has that mentality. He has that ability. It'd be interesting to see. It I think would, Giannis, because Giannis reminds me or doesn't remind me. Giannis seems to me like the type of player that would be okay with that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he wants to take the last shot, but I don't think he has to. I don't think he's, He's not too worried about individual legacy. It doesn't seem like you know he when he says you know don't don't talk about my MVP awards till I win a title. You yeah. know, you know he won back to back MVP awards and the Defensive Player of the Year and the Most Improved Player. Like he's won everything, and it doesn't seem to matter to him. And it and it shouldn't really at this point. He's won you know all these awards already. I think he'd be more than willing to give up that that last shot, and and Bam already has shown that he would. Well, to me, it wouldn't be the willingness to give it <laughs> up, right? Because I mean, Giannis and Bam—they're not taking a, you know, an isolation play pull-up jumper right now. Neither right. one of them are right, and Jimmy Butler would be the have to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is is schematically for the defense, who 
let's just say it's the Lakers or let's just say it's Golden State or maybe Dallas at some point or the Clippers even, right? Um, Well-coached teams, teams that are defensively capable. How does that work for Miami when you have a guy in isolation on the wing or on the elbow, but you have Giannis and Bam out there? How does that affect your floor spacing in the finals when your team, when the other team who's just got just the biggest names and just as good a defense as you do, they're lined up against you and to stop you. That's my issue with this lineup. To me, they're dangerous enough to get there, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if this, to me, it just seems too jumbled up in the middle. Like, do you just throw the ball up really high and hope that Giannis and Bam come down with it? I I think maybe maybe. a, a Giannis and Jimmy Butler pick and roll. I mean, I'm, you know, lob it up to him and, or, or bam coming out of the corner, you know, then you got two lob options. Just, just run all everybody at the rim, like a, you know, like a goal line football play, maybe, yeah. you know, just, you know, attack the rim, try to get the rebound, throw the ball I up think, really high and hope. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty, a, you know, a, a pretty simplified idea of what they would probably do. You know, right. that's why guys like Eric Spolstra and, and Brad Stevens and coaches in the NBA get paid a lot of money to do this stuff. And yeah. You and I are, sitting here talking about it for no better reason than we want to well i mean again i'm just saying like i think you make that move if you're miami Mm -hmm. my thing my thing would be schematically how do you make it work because it happened in miami once upon a time with guys like lebron james Dwayne wade and chris bosh right like Mm -hmm. but the thing is is lebron james is like maybe the one of two best players of all time and Dwayne wade is like one of the best shooting guards of all time Mm -hmm. so like you, you could kind of see how that would work at some level, right? So yeah, but I think Giannis is, is up there in that level of player too, and mm-hmm. you know Jimmy Butler, at least in terms of uh, current NBA players, is is at the top, is near the top. Yeah, I think he kind of showed already in the finals this year against a team like the Lakers that uh, you know he's more than capable of doing that. Yeah, I mean triple doubles for the first time in his career. He saved it. I want to ask you a couple questions about yeah, other places Giannis might go. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't mind, no, uh, please. I, I, I encourage. How you. about Atlanta? Atlanta? Oof. Yeah, here's a trade offer: John oh, Collins, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Dwayne Dedman for Giannis. I mean, I think if you're Milwaukee, you have a couple bites at an apple to have a really good player. And look, I mean, Milwaukee I without already a really good player. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee without Giannis. <laughs> I think it's still a playoff team in the East, you know, mm-hmm. probably not like obviously not as high as they are now, but like you couldn't, I, you could convince me that they're still, you know, six, seven, eight seed in the East mm-hmm. without, even without Giannis, if you get a suitable trade offer for him back. Right. Um, so there's that. I think that Milwaukee could look at that and say, we're a meddling playoff team. Now a couple of these guys could be really good down the line on this team. Um, probably not another Giannis, but still a really good player. So Cam Reddish averaged, you know, about 15 points a game over their last month of the season before the shutdown. You know, DeAndre Hunter, number four overall pick. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd give him a lot of a lot of good young options, like you said, bites at the apple to to hit on a on a superstar. And you know, even if they don't, they'd have ooh, they'd have a lot of depth. Yeah, and, and Atlanta would be risking kind of like a Kawhi Leonard scenario, right? Like he, one and done kind of thing. Yeah, one and done. Like you better win the championship, which I don't think that they have the roster, especially after trading everybody to get Giannis. I mean, is Trey Young and Giannis enough to win the East? Like that's what you really would have to answer. Pretty good. It'd be pretty fun. It'd be pretty fun. I think you fun to see. You'd need one more guy for sure. 
I think if Atlanta was, I, I mean, this is hypothetical, right? But like, I think Atlanta would probably try to keep Collins and maybe throw Capella in that deal. And then you have young Capella and Giannis. Or I'm sorry, young Collins and Giannis. Like, that might I mean, that'd be, be that'd be great for Atlanta. I don't think Milwaukee <laughs> would even even answer the answer the email. I mean, if you're getting Reddish, Herder, and Hunter, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I just I think John Collins is the the one kind of sure thing. You know what you're gonna get. And he's for only sure gonna be a restricted free <laughs> agent next year. You mm. know, so they could match any deal for the No, they already buy. extended him. They already extended <laughs> him. Did they? Know. Yeah. Okay. Well then there you go. So he'd yeah. he'd be in he'd be in <laughs> but I don't think Giannis wants to stay in Atlanta. I don't think he wants to leave Milwaukee for Atlanta. I don't know. Atlanta's a lot seems a lot more fun and a lot bigger market than Milwaukee. It's, you know. But let me ask you weather, this. Is you it know, more media coverage? Is it more fun than Golden State and Dallas? I don't know. <laughs> is that what is that what Giannis cares about though? Uh, I mean, I if you're talking about having fun, like you're yeah, in California, I just mean is that any of that matter from one one way or the other? I mean, what is happiness really, Austin? Like, <laughs> like what kind of conversation are we having right now? You know, um, I don't think he lived in Milwaukee for Atlanta, though. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, well, where else do you see him going? Or possibly Golden State, I mean, obviously Dallas. Golden State, Dallas, and Toronto are really the what would, only. Players. What would be a le- legitimate trade to you from from Golden State? What would you think they'd have to give up? <sighs> It's really like I'm. I hate to say it, but the Bucks are kind of at the mercy with whatever the best offer they can get is. I don't think that you say you have to command a certain thing. Like if you're met with the second pick in this draft, you know, um, Eric Pascal and Andrew Wiggins, I think you could do a lot worse than that deal. Um, yeah. If you're if you're Milwaukee, right? Because you're going to free up cap space eventually with Andrew Wiggins. You you can draft, you know, a. a a Lamelo Ball, you can draft an Anthony Edwards, a James Wiseman, um, an Ob Toppin, and then you get Eric Pascal, who showed that he was in the Rookie of the Year can- uh, conversation last season. I don't think that Toronto has a has the players, especially with what Terrence Davis did, you know, not too mm-hmm. long ago. I agree. Um, I don't think that they have the young pieces, and Dallas isn't. You would have to throw in probably Dwight Powell, um, Maxi Kleba. And you still don't have the first round draft picks because you just traded them away to get Chris Porzingis a couple seasons ago, right? So uh, I think that in order for him to go to a Toronto or to a Dallas, it would be in free agency. The best trade package you could probably get is either going to be Miami or Golden State. Okay, I like I like Golden State. I think that'd be a good move for him for sure. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean, and yeah. the Golden State would stand to benefit a little bit too. Uh, you think? <laughs> um, is Wiggins the guy they would have to give up though, or would or you think probably? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Just because um, you'd have to match salary. I mean, Clay Thompson is the is the other name that I've been hearing that would have to be thrown in there too. Um, I don't think that Golden State would give up Clay Thompson for LeBron James. To be honest with you, um, they they. It's like a, a San Antonio feel to me, you know, like that would be like the the Spurs trading um, Manu Ginobili, you know. I, so do you they, think something like him, Pascal, uh, the, obviously the, the number the number two overall pick, mm-hmm. and then what about any more picks? Or yeah, that- probably Minnesota's the season after, uh, right? I so, I mean, yeah, they've got a lot. Of- yeah. 
first round picks to to play with, and they they kind of want to win now. And you know, let them take well. Jordan Poole and whoever else they want to. Like I you know, so too. Yeah. it'd be it would be hard for me to believe just about any team in the NBA wouldn't give up just about anybody on that roster outside of maybe maybe ten guys that I can yeah. think of. Yeah, and I don't see like I said, I don't see Golden State giving up Clay Thompson even for, even for Giannis. I mean. No way. I don't think so either. I think they would move Draymond Green before, obviously, before. Oh, they definitely. Would. I don't think Draymond Green has enough trade value right now. No, I just don't. You know, I don't. I'm not too high on him. You know, looking at looking at his numbers the last two years, he's had the highest turnover percentage in the NBA each of the last two seasons, and that that blew me away because he he seems like the type of guy that you know he's kind of known for making the right basketball play. You right. know what I mean? He's one of those guys that puts his teammates in a better position to win. At least that's the narrative on him. But, you know, at least the last couple of years, that hasn't really been the case. Yeah, well, I mean, it was no secret what they were trying to do this season. So, like, right. I, I don't buy a lot of the the stuff that they were saying about him this year. Because, I mean, like I said, it's it's it Draymond was- Green. He's not a shot creator for himself. Um, right. You know. It is alarming that a, a guy that, you know, three years in a row was above 35% from three is is shooting, you know, significantly worse 10 percent almost the last mm-hmm. two or three years it's just weird it's like guys don't you don't really see guys just lose their ability to shoot russell westbrook excuse I, me i don't know did he ever have a shot though uh, yes do you not remember russell westbrook's mid-range game it was one of the best yeah. in the nba like one of the best in the nba yeah but he, he he's never somebody i would have considered as a great shooter i mean draymond wasn't either but draymond no. a, you know le- legitimately bad shooter now and I mean, if he's hitting sense. to me, it's like in the eye of the beholder, right? Like Jimmy Butler, you, we just got done talking glowingly that you want him to take the last shot of the game, but he's like a 29% three point shooter. You yeah, know, what I mean, done it. It, huh? He's, he's shown that he can do it though. You know, he's shown that he can make that, make that shot and get it and get a good shot. And, and Draymond kind of used to, but he, he doesn't really anymore. I, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if uh, he, he, if he looks a lot better this year, if he looks I mean, I think he'll look better than last year, but I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's never, I guess he's never really set the world on fire in terms of shooting, you know, his best. Never had to. Percent. I mean, but it just, you know, he was 38% from the field last year. He's also hit some incredibly big three point shots. Yes. Not in the last few years though. What have you done for me lately, Steven? I, I don't know. Speaking of what have you done for me lately? We talked on the last show, my wife and I did, about, you know, um, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers made a couple moves. I don't know if you if you've paid attention to this, Austin, but it looks like Philadelphia is going to try to compete this season. It looks like they're going to try to keep Harden and Embiid. But oh, wait, now they're interested in possibly trying to snag out James Harden out of Houston and try to, you know, um, reunite the general manager or president of basketball operations. Excuse me. With Mr. James Harden, mm-hmm. um, rumor has it that Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons may be involved, but they obviously would like to keep them and add a James Harden. What do you think about James Harden going to Philadelphia? I want to see it. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be so much fun. Uh, is it realistic? I don't know. I have no. I, I don't know how they could get it done. I don't know that Houston would would even consider it. You know, not if they're not giving up Simmons or Embiid, and mm-hmm. and I think that's what that's what Philadelphia wants. Um, do do you give up everybody else on the roster basically? Um, 
you know, or whatever you can give up to make it work. Yeah. In most uh, situations, I would almost <laughs> always say no. I would almost always, you know, refrain from giving up too much for one guy. But James Harden is is the best scorer we've had in the NBA for the last five or six years, and it's been not even close, and his numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. And I think something like this, I just looked this up, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't even know if I would do this because it does give up Ben Simmons too just to make the money work. Um, it would be Mike Scott, Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons, Zaire Smith, Matisse Tybel, the 2020 second round pick, their 2020 first round pick that they have of Oklahoma City's, and a first round pick in 2022. And they would get James Harden and Robert Covington. Ooh, and Covington. Huh? I was just thinking in my whole the whole time that you were just saying James Harden. Here's my thing. Um, I like to look at a trade from both teams' perspective, right? Like obviously Philadelphia would be a, a terrific team adding James Harden, especially if you don't got to give up Simmons and Embiid, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. Here's what here this was an issue with Houston for most of the for most of the season, right? Until you know February time frame and he and Westbrook were clicking pretty well together. Um, what? How does this benefit Houston? How does this benefit Houston? They one well, in that they, deal if they get Ben Simmons, that's how it benefits them. But I don't know. If, I okay, don't know. so now I you're building a team. Now you're building a team around Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. two of the worst shooting perimeter players in the NBA. Yeah, that's true. So how does like the the Again, would it be great for Philadelphia? Absolutely. If I'm if I'm Houston, I would like to think that there are a number of other teams other than Philadelphia that I could call and have a better built team. Mm-hmm. Like Philadelphia is not the only team in the NBA. I'm sure that would be interested in adding a James Harden. True, that's very true. I I don't know though. There there's a lot of big contracts that. Philadelphia could use to kind of match with Houston. Yeah. What about a blockbuster of Harris, Horford, and Simmons? And maybe you throw in Josh Richardson too, just to, you know, to sweeten the pot and to make the money work. To for, me, that's what like $70 I was going to say that's like $70 million, like just off the top of my head. What if they take them both, pair both of those guys with Joel Embiid? That'd be fun. I mean, I'm I'm just throwing out. No, really no, no, no. I understand. Stuff. I'm I'm trying to think. The money like, would work. The money yeah. would work if you threw Mike Scott, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, and Tobias Harris for Westbrook and, and Harden. I mean, if we're just trying to have fun, if if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I, I'm I'm calling and saying, "Hey, look, can I trade you Will Barton, you know Gary Harris, and Michael Porter Jr. and having a backcourt of um <laughs> of um Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and James Harden." I mean that would I mean if we're just talking about having fun. Yeah. But you don't think that would that would interest either side? I don't know. I don't like here's the thing like what kind of value does James Harden have? Like granted he's like one of the best scorers ever, but he has to have the ball in his hands so much. Like here's the thing that to me he's like this generation's Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's going to he's going to be able to play the way that he wants, no matter where he goes. And that team is going to be at his mercy, no matter who it is, but that's not winning basketball, man. Like that's the thing. It's, it's the exact same thing that we saw with Carmelo Anthony. I think we're going to see almost a, a, you know, a, 
a timeline by timeline comparison where James Harden is going to be able to do whatever he wants for so long as one of the best scorers in the NBA. No team is going to want him because it's going to hurt their team. He's to me, Harden needs to be humbled for one, but that's a conversation for later. Um, I'm just not big on adding him to a team. If I'm looking to be competitive, unless I know for certain that he's not going to dribble the air out of the ball. Yeah. Like that's my issue with Harden. Like he, again, great score. Like, one of the best scorers in the NBA. But like if I'm building a team, me personally, mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't want to give up. If I could keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and have James Harden, you could entertain the idea of like, okay, well, a pick and roll between he and Simmons. We're on the short roll. Simmons can hit Embiid or kick it out to the corner for a shooter. Like you could have a lot of fun with that lineup, right? But he would have to I almost kind of like that actually. Like I would take Harden on the Sixers. If I could build it, if I could interest Houston in a team that's centered around Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and Shake Milton to Houston mm-hmm. and draft picks. And then one, I think Harris and Westbrook are a better fit, to be honest with you, than Simmons and Westbrook or Embiid yeah. and Westbrook. I mean, to me, it just makes more basketball sense. That that would uh, that would be a good one. I, I like the sound of that. That'd be, you know, Houston would be taking a step back, I, I think, yes, but. I almost think the the writing on the wall is, is that that's going to happen here soon anyway. Um, all right, another team I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. How about Harden to the Bulls? <sighs> Otto Porter Jr., Lowry Markinen, Kobe White, and the number four overall pick. Jeez, who does that who does that leave the uh, the Bulls with? I mean, you got Wendell um, Carter Jr. And, and James Harden. And James, I mean, and exactly. you don't lie. <laughs> exactly. Oh. No, maybe Levine is the starting backcourt. What do you think about that? I would maybe try to throw in Levine and Thaddeus Young in the fourth round in the f- number four overall pick in future yeah. picks. That way you have Kobe White and um, Harden together with Lowry yeah. Mark and Wendell Carter Jr. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, you'd have to you'd have to throw something around to make the money work. But, you know, you yeah. take Otto Porter out. Well, no, I mean, if you take Otto Porter and Kobe White out, put Zach Levine and, and who else did you say? Wendell Carter uh, Jr.? Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you did that and you took Kobe White and Otto Porter Jr. out, I think that, that helps the Bulls more. I'd like them to keep Kobe White for sure. Oh, yeah. like, um, But again, though, James Harden is such a big name that you'd almost have to throw it. Like, I think getting rid of Zach Levine, though, to Houston would be like, You'd have like the absolute best Zach Levine ever on your team. And James they got a young, you know, unexperienced, <laughs> you know, new GM. Let's see if they can, you know, pull one over on him real quick. Right. Yeah. And then you give, you know, Billy Donovan the chance to coach James Harden. So there you go. There's a star. But, yeah. I mean, to me, this seems unf- like it's like the most unfair scenario for Houston, though. Right. Because Daryl Morey painted that team into a corner, right. you know, with the moves that he made. And he's a great, you know, basketball mind and he's always trying to add pieces to stay competitive but like like i said him stepping down in houston was an admission of wrong so like if he admits that he's wrong and goes to philadelphia and then takes james harden with him like that's right. like the biggest f you to houston ever the wound yeah okay um here's one that i think would be really interesting mm-hmm. i don't know if either team would do it i think miami would do it it's miami Ooh. Iguodala, Olenek, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero. And a first-round pick. 
And you get Harden, Harden, but now Houston tried to get Butler a a few seasons back to play with James Harden. So that would be interesting. Oof. Be fun to see. I mean, you know, I, I almost feel like Houston might, if I was Houston's GM, I'd be looking to rebuild. Yeah, sooner than later, and you know the NBA is a lot. Coach, the NBA is in in terms of trades. Trades are all about leverage. Mm -hmm. And if Harden says he wants out, and you're you're up against the cap like they are, you don't have any first round picks that are going to be of any value, and you know you don't want to be terrible. You got to look at you know all these options, and you know that would that would get them a lot of good young pieces. You know Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Iguodala would kind of just be there for the money. Kelly Olynyk's a good player. Yeah. You'd, you'd have a first-round pick. It wouldn't be a great first-round pick, but you'd have another first-round pick. Um, another you one that I saw, have Oklahoma City again, right? Like yeah. um, when Westbrook was there, driving and you know for, spread the floor. Everyone stand outside and let Westbrook drive right. and kick. And another one here that is kind of the same thing. You know, this is even more of a rebuild for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I'm going to just be honest with you. I wouldn't do it, but it, here it is. It's okay. uh, Will Barton, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and two first-round picks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think Denver would be an interesting spot where you'd pair him up with Murray and Jokic. I mean, your defense would be trash, but, I mean, whatever. It would be fun to watch when they, they'd score a lot of points. Yeah, I mean. And, you know, you'd Michael have two Porter great- Jr., like we said earlier, could be a star. Yeah. In a couple of years. You'd have him for under contract for quite a while. Another couple places like Loki would be fun to see them try to make a move or Minnesota and Phoenix. Like if you could pair Booker and Harden together. Oof. Right. Oof. Oof. Talk about one two punch for scoring. Oof. Yeah. Okay. For and sure. last one. It's the last mm-hmm. one. Okay. James Harden to Portland. CJ yeah. McCollins, Zach Collins, Anthony Simmons, Nasir Little, and two first round picks. <sighs> I mean, Nurkic, Lillard. Lillard, and Harden. Like, who who thinks they're the better guard? Like, that yeah. would be my thing. Is like that's Lillard. Well. That's Lillard's team, you know. But oh, he's sure. but he's wanted help there for a while now, and he is a very he's probably one of the more unselfish in my eyes. I know that not everybody feels that way about Lillard, but I think and, that he realizes that he has to carry that team in order for them to do anything. You know what I mean? So Houston would get, you know, at least one good shooter back. Um, I'd almost try to figure out a way to get uh, Gary Trent Jr. in that trade if I was Houston. I mean, look, not every team has Sam Presti who could just be like, this is everybody I want. You have 30 seconds to make this decision or your phone is off the strike. I'm just saying, if there was a way you could do that too, you know, no, for sure. For sure. Um, You know, I think this was definitely the one I was the most interested in talking about. I'd love, I'd love to see James Harden on a lot of different teams just to, just to see, you know, Golden State, Andrew Wiggins, Eric Pascal, two first round (laughs) picks this year and next year's. Let's make it happen. Do it now. Sign me up. Let's go. (laughs) That would be three brothers. Holy cow. That would be so unfair. Like, and here's the thing about that though. Steph would not have to be the shot creator. Like he just run off screens all day long. He doesn't ever have the ball in his hands. He never dribbles. No, he'd be moving all day long. You'd have Draymond Green to be the kind of like the auxiliary passer out of that. Ugh. Oof. That'd be fun. That would be so that'd be but you know, most more likely than not, we're gonna see James Harden in a Rockets uniform next year. So 
my hot take is that Golden State is going to try to get James Harden if he's Ooh. available. See, I just don't think he is. I don't. Think I mean, he's available. what's Houston doing if they keep him? Like, that's my thing. Like, you're not going to get any better. Your team has already peaked. You're on the decline. Russell Westbrook is your second best player right now, and he's a you know, on the right team, he's still a difference maker. Right. I almost, I almost think it makes more sense to kind of just. I would give every every you know team that has a superstar. If it were my team, you've got. For four, maybe five years to do what you can, and then we're shipping you out and trying something different. You know, I yeah. wouldn't, I'm not keeping the same star player for a decade if he's never getting me to the conference finals or, or, or to the finals or never winning me a title. You know, after, after maybe five years, you're done. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, you're, you're on the market now. Obviously, we've seen what we can do with you. We've tried it five different times. That's more than enough. Yeah. But to his credit, though, your team has progressively made worse and worse decisions as far as Mm -hmm. managing a managing a roster. So he's probably thinking the exact same thing. Like you got four years or I'm gone. Like that's that's player empowerment. Like you have my rookie deal to make some make this happen. I just think, you know, even really, honestly, within three years, you know what you have unless you can make unless you can keep your best player and, and maybe, you know, rework your entire roster around him and try something completely different. That's what I mean, though. Like, yeah, make it up big time every so often, you know, more often than a lot of teams tend to do. Yeah. I mean, if you're not a if you're not a contender, then what are you doing? Right. You're you know? not getting better. You're getting worse. That's right. That's that's right. That's right. Well, Austin, uh, that wraps up basically all the talking points that we had. We even threw in some bonus content in there for all you viewers and listeners. So you're welcome for that. We didn't even plan for like, I want to say 40% of the conversation that happened today. So we, we like to shoot from the hip a little bit, a little cowboy like that. But, um, Austin, you know, whatever comes to our minds, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. So we're going to take probably the next few minutes. Like we, we got a lot of stuff that we're about to promote. Um, we have obviously see you Sunday, which is our, um, you know, latest addition to the off ball network show where we talk about the upcoming weeks, NFL picks that we have from the off the ball network. Who's we talked about the three biggest games for that week. We give you one game to watch. And then we overall say who we all pick all the experts at off the ball network, tell you who you should be picking. Um, and then we talk about, you know, Jeff's power rankings, which are always very fun to uh, mm-hmm. to look at. And I love seeing people's responses to them. And we talk about who the contenders and the pretenders in the NFL are. Um, so that's see you Sunday. Austin, you are the you have a brainchild now on the show yeah. as well. Um, both of us basketball minds. We're coming up with football projects. You want to go ahead and yeah. let the world know? No, actually, uh First, I have to make sure it's okay with everybody, but I'm I'm trying to be on see you see you Sunday this week. I, I'm yeah, I'm available. I don't have to work this Saturday morning, so it is an open invitation, my brother. You just got to send me your sure. pick. I'm pretty sure for everybody that you know is listening, I'll be on there too. So you know, tune in. It'll be the first time I'll be on that show. I'm excited to join. Oh it's, boy. A, it's a fun show for sure. Um, but I'm working on a uh, fantasy football show. Actually, um, gonna have a co-host. Not sure who it is yet. Uh, working on a few different things uh, mm-hmm. going on in the network. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So yes. things are still kind of being decided in terms of that. Um, it's actually going to be called the Sharps Money uh, Fantasy Show. Um, so it's going to be a little bit DFS fantasy. It's going to be a little bit, you know, you're just a traditional. We're going to talk about Dynasty a little bit. You know, we're going to cover kind of everything. Um, I'm going to even kind of throw in a little bit of betting stuff as well. 
Um, okay. That's kind of more where the DFS comes in. So, um, you know, just something I've always wanted to do, something I've always been very interested in. I actually uh, won the same league four years in a row with a bunch of my friends. Um, I'm number one in my dynasty league that I'm in this year. Subtle flex, uh, bro. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I feel like my credentials speak for themselves. Believe it or not, uh, one of the leagues I'm in does have a physical paper copy of a record book that uh, gets updated every year. So it's a it's a pretty serious league. So, um, you know, I wrote an article today. Actually, uh, it's my first fantasy article. I, uh, I gave you guys two waiver wire pickups at every position that I think could help your team this week. And then uh, two guys at each position you know, offensively that I really like in terms of, you know, fantasy matchups for the week. So go ahead and check that out. Um, I'm really excited about all of that stuff. Um, not a hundred percent sure yet on the start date for the, uh, the show and the podcast, but, uh, you know, the article's up now on off the So de- definitely head over there and check it out. Excellent stuff. So again, like I just, we, we as basketball minds also contribute to the football community at our network, right? Just like everybody else at the network, you know, we may have guys like, a. Uh, you know, our guy Cruz has the football and chill podcast, but he's also a very sharp basketball mind as well. So, like, just don't let our titles and our areas of expertise fool you. We do know a little bit about a little bit, right? And, you know, so, Coach, Coach Fa and Couch Coach, you know, I think they're both going to be on here with us, you know, in the coming coming weeks, it seems like, from what we've been talking about. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're both football guys. So, you know, everybody kind of does a little bit of everything for us. That's right. Yeah. And just to kind of expound upon what Austin just leaked out to you, the viewers and the listeners now, um, as soon as Oklahoma City signs a <laughs> signs a head coach, we're going to have the two coaches from the off the ball network, Coach Fa and Couch Coach Live. Come on. We're going to do a little bit of coach evaluating coach uh, segment, which would be a lot of fun. Talk about which NBA teams had openings, who they hired and how we think that their team is going to do underneath their stewardship, right? So that's in the works. Austin and I are also working on um, kind of like a, a head-to-head, if you will, um, for lack of a better term, uh, ranking of NBA uh, player tiers, right? Where Austin and I went through separately, talked, um, went through and, and ranked the NBA players coming into next year, um, not one through 100 or one through 125, basically large grouping of roughly 100 to 125 players um, and separated them by tier and category. And we're going to be uploading those on the website as well and be talking about those here on the show where we have certain players where we differ and really kind of give you, the viewers and listeners and each other, different perspectives on how we analyze NBA players and based off of, and and a little bit of projection in there too, right, Austin? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I at first kind of, pushed back on the idea of even even ranking the the incoming rookies partially because we don't know what team they're going to be on and partially because I don't know really how to value a lot of those guys you know mm-hmm. it's just it's difficult you know probably more for me more so for me than maybe it is for you but I did end up putting a few into the rankings so you know I do think there's there's a few that that do probably belong you know in the top you know I think I ended up ranking 125 or 128 or something like that yeah so I think they belong somewhere in there um, you know, we put a ton of work into this. I know Steven yes. put a lot of work into it. I spent still almost, work. I, I spent up almost, almost an entire night, stayed up almost all night working on it one night. I just got going and couldn't stop. Um, so, you know, it's something we've, we've really worked on. It's not just, you know, 
oh, we're fans of these players. We put them here. You know, I really, there was a lot of guys that I really felt weird about putting, putting at certain spots in the rankings where I did, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just the, the reality of it is that's where they belong. At least, you know, the numbers and everything kind of, kind of bear that out. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the differences that you and I see on those, but I think ultimately maybe not exact numbers, but in terms of groupings, I think there's going to be a lot of similarities. I think so too. We're pretty similar in some areas, but you, we do have players that we're higher on than the other one. And I think that's what makes the grouping by tiers interesting, right? Austin Mm -hmm. is not, we're saying, all right, I think that, you know, Bradley bill is better than Donovan Mitchell, you know, so I'm going to have him, you know, 14th and, you know, him 15th. It's more like, okay, like who all fits underneath this category of just to kind of leak a couple names that we have. Like I have steady starters as my lowest tier, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of guys who are steady starters and I'm not going to worry about saying, you know, where does Steven Adams compare to, you know, whoever else, you know, Al Horford, you know, it, to me, there's more value in grouping and understanding where teams fit into the lexicon of the NBA. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I did, grade everybody out one through 125 but you know it's not like you know i'm set in stone that these are the reasons this is the 75th best player there's nowhere else to put it it's it's very subjective when it comes to that but you know i do think the grouping is is definitely the more the more telling thing the thing you can get more out of at least yeah because you can always right like you could make the case for the 14th and 15th best player that oh, well, this guy should be 14th, not 15th. And this guy should be 15th, not 14th. You know what I mean? So like, I think that's where the the tier grouping comes along because you can kind of generally capture more of a, a a consistency, if you will, right there. And then um, just last thing that I want to say uh, for housekeeping is that I'm going to be working on an article. It should be up um, tomorrow, sometime this weekend. But basically, I'm just going to let you um, fans know how nervous or, you know, um, assured you should be where your team is drafting. I'm going to go through and evaluate where all NBA teams have drafted, where they currently are slotted to now, not where I'm going to predict if a trade happens or whatever. Right. But, you know, I'm going to tell you how Boston drafted you know, the last time that they were 14th or, you know, the Denver Nuggets did at 22nd. Um, surprise. There are four NBA teams that have never drafted where they are going to currently in this draft. And if you, um, just hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at BTG NBA pod. Go ahead and hit us up on who you think that those players are. And if so, we'll give you a shout out here on the show and maybe even have you on as a special guest. Austin, does that sound like a yeah, fair prize? Sure. You know, you know, some serious basketball knowledge, you know, that's a pretty, it's a pretty obscure thing. I mean, I'm sure it's easy to look up, but you know, go ahead and, you know, hit us up on Twitter for sure. We, we love having guests. And, and to that end, I, I, we do have a guest lined up for, uh, for Sunday as well. Um, I'm not sure yet what time we're going to be able to do it or if he's doing the whole show or if he's just going to be on for a segment, mm-hmm. but, uh, Pacers fans should recognize the name. His name is Scott Agnes. He used mm-hmm. to write for the athletic. He runs, um, fieldhousefiles.com, which is probably, I would say the leading source for, you know, Pacers news. Um, he runs his own Pacers centric podcast. Um, he is kind of the authority on all things going on with that team. He's, he had a chance to sit down with Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan, you know, the day after he was fired. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of get his insights on what he feels about going forward for the Pacers and more specifically their, their coaching hire. Um, so that'll be a pretty exciting, you know, at, at the very second. What'd you say? I said Coach Bjorkren. Bjorkren, yep. Yeah. Such an indie name, man. Like it is. there was it ever is. 
kind of guy. <laughs> there you I go. The fans, I think the fans will end up really liking him once once they know what he's about. Yeah, I mean, if he's anything like his, his, you know his mentor, you know they should be excited as anybody can be excited about any yeah, NBA. What I read from, from what Scott you know posted on his website just just today, I think I, I got the the email about it today at least. Um, you know, all the players are very excited about him. So, yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse is a is a pretty popular NBA head coach right now. So right. his his tree is sprouting. But yeah, um, definitely don't miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I can't wait, and that's going to be your show, man. I'm just going to be, you know, a fan with a drink, probably. But um, we just want to thank everybody who took the time out of their day to uh, watch and listen, either now or later. Um, we appreciate everything that you guys do to support the show. As always, I'll say it again: follow us on um, Twitter and Instagram at BTG NBA Pod. It's right there in the orange part of your screen. There, you can follow Austin at Austin Cartin on Twitter and myself at Stephen BTG on Twitter as well. Go to Facebook and look up the Break It or BTG NBA Pod. After that, um, facebook.com forward slash BTG NBA pod. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. Uh, be sure to go to Facebook to look at offtheballnetwork.com. You can find them on Instagram at offtheballnetwork and on Twitter at OTB underscore network on Twitter there. Um, Austin, am I missing anything, brother? I don't think so. I just, I just want to, you know, urge everybody that's listening, everybody that will listen, everybody that, you know, downloads this or that checks out any of our websites or anything, you know, we've got a lot of big things coming for off the ball network. You know, there's a lot of awesome stuff in the works. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a part of a couple other networks now and, you know, I've done, you know, some other things in the past with, you know, other similar jobs like this and i can tell you guys this is definitely the most excited about anything that i've been in a long time when it comes to this stuff so you know stick with us we've, we've got a lot of great stuff we've got a lot of great people and there's a lot of stuff coming that's right and tell your friends the best way for us to spread is by word of mouth so the show will be as successful and our network will be as successful as you want it to be right so you have the power i know it's election season right so i'm going to encourage you to go out and let everybody know um, how they right. can get a hold of us we're gonna, because we're gonna work hard. We're going to put out the content. You know, if you guys want it, it'll be there. Yeah. And as soon as I'm done here on the show, I'm going to get going on that article that I just got done telling you guys yeah. about. So, you know, the show never sleeps. The network never sleeps because when you sleep, somebody else is out there getting better than you, right, Austin? And that's going to be us. That's going to be us, right? Even when we sleep. <laughs> Even when somebody we sleep. Will be that's right. There's always one of us up, it feels like. So. Uh, all right, Austin. Well, um, you want to go ahead and uh, let everybody go? Yeah. You know what, guys? Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everybody. Yep. Much love, everybody. Y'all be good to one another. Bye.